Hey guys, this is John. Uh, we got a Saturday morning. Uh, I'm calling my buddy uh, David Preston. So he's uh, you, a lot of you guys know who he is. He's uh, got I don't know 20, 21 national two day wins. He's won the PRS finale in twenty fifteen. The in the season, a super accomplished shooter. We've been uh, teammates for off and on to a couple different teams with Curtis and Surgeon for quite a while now. And I don't know I. I see him off and on, but we're across the country, so it's not something like I don't get to talk to him a ton. So this is fun for me and fun for you guys. So um, I'm looking forward to chatting with him. We're going to just kind of go through, kind of just dive into his shooting stuff. He just, he's got a great new company he's been starting called Gray Ops, a bunch of shooting accessories and stuff. We're going to obviously talk about that and just have a little conversation this morning. So how you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? What's up, John? <laughs> Thanks for coming Glad on. Glad to get on the show with you guys. We've been trying to do this a lot. Uh, just happy we can make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this. It's a, it was kind of a three-hour time change. I was like, let's do it Saturday morning. We'll do 7. It's 10 o'clock your time. You said you were breaking in some barrels and stuff. How's that going? Yeah, so I slept in a little bit and didn't get my barrel changed over, but it's on the it's on the schedule for so we'll get this out of the way i hear you in barrels that's what i gotta do i'm gonna break in a 6.5 prc today and i've got i've got a br coming so i'm excited about that did you just i just saw this is random but i just saw you were you shooting a br you've been switching stuff you were 647 forever and now you got some or, or six creed you've been shooting and 647 and now gt and six br you've been all over the place lately so what do you yeah i what are you I like to keep it interesting uh <laughs> i just shoot a br at the southington prs match okay um the 110 a tip i wasn't sure how well the br would handle the the 110 but uh i think i got it up to like 2780 which okay i think is just fine for that that caliber um yeah but yeah now i'm getting a six creed ready for the the wyoming hornady prc match Sweet. I don't think the BR would do real well out there, so I figure I better load something a little hotter. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I'm a big Dasher fan, and that's one match where I was like, man, I wish I had, I wish I had something a little bit hotter for that. I know my buddy Dan uh, Bertaccini, he's over here in California. He won that last year with a 284 Shahane, so <laughs> it's a, a little different world out in Wyoming. I don't know if a 6.5 would be a better choice for that match or not, but I, I think it might I'm, be. I'm hoping a fast day be, be okay. It's de- it'll definitely well, do well. The 110 a tip does, you know, pretty darn good in the wind. So, yeah. uh, that bullet, I don't think was out. It might not have been out last year. Not a lot of guys were using it. So yeah. I think I'm going to give it a shot. Dude, that's going to be good. No, I've watched you shoot that. You run it about 30, 50, and you just burn the house down with it. So it'll, it'll be fine. So um, what, yeah. what's the, what are your thoughts on the BR since you've been playing with it? I'm, this is a selfish question. So I shot a BR a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I don't know, for maybe six or seven months. I think I went through three barrels on it. Okay. Uh, that was with a 105-grain bullet. Yep. And it did real well. Uh, super accurate, you know, hundred yards, you just shoot bug holes, but I struggled a little bit with it, uh, past 800 yards. Okay. You know, if I just, if I looked at my match scores on all the long range stages, I was losing points and everything, 800 yards and in, I was just crushing. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it was 
it just kind of ran out of steam past 800 and you know i was just burning edges or what but it's that's the point where i switched over to the six creed and i immediately saw my long range scores go up um and that's just not over one or two matches i mean i kind of kept a record matchbook and you know it it was kind of night and day so i was hoping by going back to the br with the 110 that maybe i'd still be able to catch those edges uh-huh but it's too early i just shot one match with it and yeah. uh i'll try it for a few more before i make another decision yeah you're gonna get some averages that's been my argument my head is like man why i'm gonna run, i'm building a long barrel br and i tell anyone that's getting in the sport if you're just getting in and you're gonna reload build a br because it's super easy and it's not gonna hold you back for quite a long time if ever um, I mean, mm-hmm. you watch all the guys win with BRAs and stuff, but like I'm building a 20, Joe's building me a 28 inch barrel and he's like, dude, that's going to run the same speeds you're running your dash or close. Cause I run my dash real slow. So uh-huh. it'll, it'll be interesting, but uh, let's, let's back up a minute before we get too far into this. Tell a little bit about, uh, you're married, you got a couple new kids. Talk about that for just a second. So people get to know you a little bit, kind of where you live and just some quick, some quick basics. Yeah, so I live in Western PA, like an hour and a half north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, married, married about four years, five years now. Uh, just had our second kid seven months ago, Ooh. which, you know, definitely <laughs> <laughs> cut into shooting time for sure. I don't have as much time to practice anymore. Yep. Um, and then I started up a a business in the shooting world called Gray Ops CNC. And I just make a bunch of different uh, accessories. Uh, some guys might have heard of the mini gun plate. Um, I don't know, just a lot of basically accessories that can help you get more stable and feel more comfortable behind the gun. Yep. So. Yeah. No, you've been you've been busy. You're right. Kids do throw change stuff up a little bit. Priorities change a little bit. I still love shooting, but it's uh, it is harder to, to leave when the boys are wanting to hang out for the weekend and you got like, I got to go shoot. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, it's fun, too. But um, I'm with me. What was that? I said once I get a little bigger, I'll just bring them with me. Yeah, absolutely. Small right now. Absolutely. No. So Gray Ops has been super cool watching you do that. Like, I didn't know. How did you have the background to, did you do some sort of engineering or that kind of stuff in school or you went from like, we're hanging out, we're shooting partners and all of a sudden you got CNC machines showing up at your house and I'm going, what the (laughs) heck? So how'd that transition happen? So I, uh, I went to Penn state university. I got an engineering degree and then I came back to help on the family farm for a few years and I was just looking for something that I don't know. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I wanted to work for myself Mm -hmm. and the farm was just so hard on my body that I was like, you know what? I can't do this long term. It's going to work short term, but I need something. And, you know, I had this building here. Mm -hmm. I was really passionate about, you know, the shooting industry. And I just said, you know what, let's do this and started just sitting up every single night watching YouTube videos, you know, taking a couple classes and I just dove in head first and you know, that's how it started. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You've been getting tools every week, posting on Instagram, seeing all these new, I don't even know all the different, all the different bits and fittings and tooling for your, your machines and stuff. It's been fun to watch. You're putting out some pretty sweet products. The 
kind of the the plate he mentioned if you guys aren't familiar it goes onto the generally it clips onto the arcer rail on the bottom of the chassis and gives you a little wider platform to set on your bag and really stabilizes it um there's different ways i think we'll talk about a little bit but there's a bag kind of attaches on the mini plate that a lot of guys are using um up front of their on the end of the chassis when they use a tripod rear it's super handy for that so lots of cool products you got the external weights for the mpa You've got bipod accessories, brass markers, you got a whole bunch of stuff you've been coming out with. So it's fun watching you um, continually like come out with new products and thinking up new things. So it's it's pretty fun. So it's been, I'm stoked for you. I hope it keeps keeps going. I see a lot of your products out of matches. So that's pretty sweet. So yeah, <laughs> is it what's it like going to matches and seeing all that stuff? All, everyone's guns having your stuff on them. <laughs> It's it's pretty awesome now because, you know, I, I just started about two years ago and I was at the Southington uh, PRS match and I looked down the line of rifles and literally like seven out of eight of the rifles on the line at one point all had my weight kit on. And I was like, holy crap, That's awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. And then the rifle racks you see, there's just mini gun plates everywhere and yep. it's you know, it's just pretty awesome to see that. Dude, that's so cool. I love it. I'm just envious of, I love guys that are, you know, doing something in their passion. So it's fun. It makes it fun. They're, they care about it and put out good products. So anyway, um, what, what I go, what's the, what's the best way just gray com or what's the best place for guys to check out your stuff? Yeah. The, the website's, uh, gray com. That's okay. usually the easiest way to get a hold of me there's a contact section on there if you guys have questions it shoots an email directly to my phone and mm-hmm. you know i'm still just a one-man shop i do my best to keep up on customer service uh, because yep. i know how it is when somebody has you know a question or they don't know what they need mm-hmm. uh, you know everybody in the sports impatient they want an answer quick so i always try and answer emails as quickly as i possibly can but at the same time i'm still a one guy shop trying to do it all myself so (laughs) be patient with me yeah have some patience while he's running machines (laughs) dude that's sweet that's cool so so kids how old are kids seven months and what seven months and two and a half okay cool both boys yep two boys two boys that's where i'm at two i'm a few years ahead on the on the ages but two boys and they're getting to be a lot of fun i just love the the seven months for me was not my favorite the once they hit a year they start to get more and more fun and then like your two and a half year old it just it gets every year it gets more and more fun so i'm not to any i'm not to the stages where they don't like me anymore yet so it's we're having a blast it's it's a riot so nice you're gonna have four or five more or what are you what are you gonna do <laughs> I think I'm good. I think I think the wife wants to try for a girl, but okay. I'm just I'm looking forward to the point where the boys can start shooting rifles. Heck yeah! Uh, my wife's brother-in-law he's he's got dirt bikes, and that's all that kid can think about right now is is riding dirt bikes. And he's got a little electric dirt bike that he oh. rides around the yard. Can't even <laughs> hardly talk yet. Ride a electric dirt bike around, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> I gotta get back into the rifles right on yeah it'll come yeah sweet okay so let's go let's go back to shooting uh what there's so much that so for me i'm gonna you were so i got into this pretty started getting pretty heavy in 2015 um i was getting interested in them 2016 i hit it pretty hard and you had just won the 2015 the the season the the season 
the finale and the season. So you mm-hmm. were you were my, you were my idol. I was I was I followed your Instagram or your Facebook, and I whatever did the thing that. Anytime you post, I'd see it first. So I was, I was your fanboy. <laughs> you didn't know it. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny now. We've been friends for years and now we're peers and shooting and stuff. So it's kind of fun. But so I followed you and watched all this stuff you did and you, you know, coming off that big win. Um, w- how long have you been doing this? Like, was that, was that, were you a few years in or, or how long till you won? I mean, you've been pretty dominant for a long, long time. So how did you get into shooting? of start at the beginning you know yeah. i was always uh it, it started with like a groundhog hunting addiction you okay. know i'd go up to work and just crush groundhogs uh, <laughs> you know, being in the field you'd shoot offhand you'd shoot kneeling you know all uh-huh. different kinds of positions you know there's nothing around you we didn't have tripods to shoot off of back then so it was basically just a yep. uh, eight pound remington you know offhanding at a groundhog nice and then i got into uh my first tactical rifle was like a Remington 700 308. Perfect. <laughs> What's going on? If you could see a picture of it right now, you'd laugh. Like it was all, <laughs> all the accessories from Cabela's.com. Nice. Bolded that thing. Uh, That's awesome. When I was in Penn State, I, I found a group of guys that did some long range, I guess it was bench rest, but silhouette. You shoot these animal okay. targets between 700 and a thousand yards and you know one point per hit i think it was 40 shots so i started doing that for a while and i ended up winning my first three matches there and then i built a 6547 and this was back like 2009 or 2010 okay and then i got into some you know backwoods sniper matches here in in pennsylvania and I think the first PRS match I ever shot was in 2012 or 2013. It okay. was the gap grind. And okay. I finished third place in my first ever PRS match. So Dude, I was like, Holy. Nice. So you're hooked. Now you're hooked. You're like, hey, I'm good at this. Here we go. <laughs> and you're competitive. I've been around you Joe enough Walls. to know you're super competitive. Joe Walls was right ahead of me. And I think either Joe Walls won or Francis Kuehl won. Nice. That's and awesome. then I just, you know, got hooked and started shooting all these matches. Dude, that's cool. That's awesome. So, so what was your, you started with six, five, well, three Oh eight, then six, five, 47, kind of what was your caliber L evolution? I started with hot sixes and worked my way down and I've been at Dasher for a long time. Kind of what have, where have you gone with calibers and, and to, oh, up to this point? <laughs> uh, so twenty two two fifty for groundhogs. That was my first ever okay. bolt action. Then I went into the, that three Oh eight, Mm-hmm. Um, and I quickly realized that that was just a big, slow, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not going to do very well with this. I got a six, five which was really good for me. I shot the one thirty JLKs. Um, and then okay. I think the, the six by 47, I shot for like four years okay. and stuck with that caliber. I knew it inside and out. And honestly, I'm not sure why I got away from it, but then I got into like the, the six BR and the six Creed. And okay. I think there, there might've been a seven short mag in there. <laughs> you know? Did you ever compete with You didn't compete oh, with the seven you. short mag. Did you? What's that? Did you compete with the seven short mag? Yeah, I did. 180 burgers at like 2,900. Oh dude, that's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, cool. I've been, I've been jonesing for a, I just watched, I just mentioned Dan a little bit ago about that 284 Shahane. I just watched him, that MDT match that Jake and I did. He ran a 
a six five Creed with those. He was trying those new Burger one forty fours. So they got a little higher BC and they're pointed and and I was impressed with that thing. Twenty nine, I can't twenty nine hundred something feet per second, but with that super high BC, there's an argument for some of that stuff. I mean, I love the Dasher, but it is fun watching those bigger bullets fly. And that dude, that seven one eighties would be that would be that would beat up some steel. So yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, the only question with those magnums is, can you spot your your misses or your impacts under recoil? Yep. Which I mean, that's that's a deal breaker. Yep, a hundred percent. So, so now you're kind of you're kind of in like we already talked about BR Creed, kind of in that area, um, back and forth depending on the match. So, um, what? Um, how much do you get to train now? What do you? What's kind of your if you've got a match in a month, are you shooting every week or do you kind of have like a week before, two weeks before, like brush up period or kind of do you have a routine for stuff like that? Well, I used to have a routine and <laughs> now with business, it kind of went out the window and I feel like I'm always last minute on everything. But mm-hmm. uh, I used to start three weeks out from a match and I'd, I'd use that first week to get my rifle ready, mm-hmm. you know, make sure my load was you know, hammering and shooting tiny groups. And once I figured that out, I'd kind of put it in the corner mm-hmm. and grab either a larger caliber, uh, to do some recoil training. I love shooting 308 or six, five SOM. Okay. Just, just for that added recoil. Yep. Uh, you get used to that shooting on barricades. And when you go back to your match gun, it's just like you're shooting a 22 long rifle. It's, I mean, it's like cheating after you're used to that heavy recoil. That's awesome. So, basically just burn down barricades i wouldn't do any prone stuff mm-hmm. maybe like the first shot i would try and get a you know a wind call but once you know the wind i mean it, yep. learning thing is kind of out the window so i'd use that first couple shots to guess my wind and try and make a first round impact mm-hmm. but then it'd just be barricade shooting from that point on yeah you know a week and a half and then the week of the match i would basically uh make sure my rifle was cleaned, make sure it was, you know, I had at least 40, 50 rounds on the barrel, you know, mm-hmm. check zero a couple times a week mm-hmm. and uh, just reconfirm data and I'd be good to go. Well, very thorough. And now, now it's, now it's uh, Wednesday or Thursday night and you're trying to get orders out and you also need to load your ammo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> oh, I don't man. know the way it goes, but yeah. So, um, so, so I totally agree with you on the not shooting prone and also the wind stuff that people ask about wind training. What do you do? I was like, man, it's hard. I, for one, I don't kind of where I shoot it by my house. There's not the way the property is positioned with kind of the Hills. There's not a lot of wind that comes through here and generally like, Hey, if it's windy, okay, that's six tenths to my 600 yard target. And once you hit it, you're kind of done. So it is a weird discussion. Like, how do you go practice the wind? I was like, I don't a lot but you like you said you kind of get one or two shots so do you guys get do you get much wind over where you're at or is it is it relatively calm most of the time or uh so my shoot i have a shooting range kind of out my back door Perfect. and we're up on a hill so we we do get quite a bit of wind um okay luckily you know at night it calms down a lot and that's whenever i like to check my data because i hate checking data when mm-hmm. it's real windy Agreed. um but yeah, during the summer it always blows right to left, and then in the winter time it blows left to right. Okay. 
But okay. yeah, there's, there's a few days, you know, I don't think I hold more than like maybe a mill and a half at a thousand, but okay. you know, that's about the most we get up here. Okay. So you got a little bit of wind. That's, that's good. Um, let's, so let's walk through a few things. I, questions I get a lot are obviously just a lot of reloading questions, um, kind of match prep, kind of what I ask you about training leading up to a match. So, um, now that you're busy, which a lot of guys are, you, obviously you confirm in your dope. You're still gonna. You're not gonna go to a match without your your dope and everything confirmed. I know that. Um, are you still trying to get a little practice in the week of even like on a busy chaotic week? What would you gonna try to shoot 30, 40 rounds off the barricade and brush up? Or are you just mainly focusing on making sure your gun's perfect? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of just whatever life throws at me. Yeah. A lot of times trying to get a, a barrel broken in. So, you know, I am getting rounds down range. Um, and then there's, there's a couple match or a couple ranges that have popped up here. Uh, Southington's like 45 minutes from my house and Rockland precision's like an hour from my house oh, nice. and like these weekly night shoots. So, you know, Thursday night, just about every week you can run over to these ranges and at least get 50 rounds down range, you know, for score. Oh, and then man. you can the words and just, you know, shoot whatever you want. So I'm Dude. still getting rounds down range, but okay. Not, okay. I don't know if it's the same quality of rounds down range that I used to get down. Uh, I remember back in 2014, 2015, yeah. you know, I just had the farm going and every single night that I had was just free to do whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. And I think there was one point where I I'd kept track and I shot 90 days in a row without <laughs> one day. Wow. That's Sunday, Saturdays, everything. Dude. I mean, a, a groundhog hunting night or something, but there was 90 days in a row where I shot. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, talk about getting in a groove, man. I don't, I've, I've had a couple strikes. I don't have kept track that good. I don't think I've ever got 90. I know I haven't done that, but man, I love getting in that groove. So dude, that's, I'm, I'm pretty jealous. What's your thoughts on, we don't have a club match anywhere close to here. Um, I think my closest one is uh, five and a half or six and a half hours away for a one day match. So I don't, I haven't shot a club match in years. Um, I would love to, I love the idea of getting on the timer. What's your, what's your thoughts on, do you feel like you get better practice at a club match than you do at your house practicing in regards to like, you know, relating to a match? Like does the, does the, the timer stress at a club match equate similar to the timer stress at a two day? What do you think on that? So, uh, actually sometimes the club matches can, can mess my timing up because it's a lot of newer guys at the matches and Mm -hmm. they, they don't want to throw them under the bus with like a 90 second part time. Okay. So they'll bump it up to two minutes. Well, two minutes for, you know, some guys that have been doing this for a long time is just like, you get lazy, you get slow. Mm -hmm. And then when you get that 90 second part time in a PRS match, you're like, Holy crap, where did the time go? Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good mix being able to, you know, train on your own, but then there's only so much you can do on your own. You're, you know, whenever you go match, you get, you know, other people designing stages, doing things you wouldn't think of. You know, I Mm -hmm. I don't practice left-handed stuff at my house. It's just, I don't like to do, I don't want to do. And you get to a a club match and they're like, all right, you have to shoot lefty. So, you know, it's, it's just a good mix being able to see what other people come up with. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I get in, I get in a rut here. I'm I'm gonna go practice, and I walk up, and I end up doing the same barricade over and over again. I was like, I need to. Yeah. I get too lazy on design. I was like, I need to force myself to do stuff I don't want to do or something that's awkward. There's some props up here where I, if I shoot off of, it's hard to find my brass with the way the rocks are and stuff. And it's like, well, I don't want to shoot off the rocks because I don't want to lose my brass. And I was like, I need to shoot off the rocks. I need to shoot weak side. I need to do all that. But yeah, I, I hear you there. So. After shooting so much at the house, you know, I did get into that funk where I kept doing the same things over and over. So I came up with this little Excel spreadsheet, uh, kind of a checklist, I guess you'd say it was like a 49 or 50 shot drill. Okay. And first shot was cold bore, uh, at a hundred. Cause I always sure. check a hundred before I go up to, you know, where I shoot to make mm-hmm. sure all my data is tracking. And I keep track of data every time I go up there, you okay. know, the density. Altitude, so I kind of get a, an idea of what the rifle's doing each time, mm-hmm. but it was, and this was back when we might shoot offhand and sitting and that kind of stuff too, yeah. which the matches have got away from, but I would do like, I think five shots, uh, standing offhand at like 300. I would do five shots sitting and five shots modified prone. Okay. And, and then I would move up to barricades and I would do like a, a 10 position, one target. Then I would go to a, a five position, two target setup. And then I would try and do that five position two target with holdovers, not touching your scope. Okay. And try and throw something wild in there, like a left-handed or I don't know, mm-hmm. something else. But that was basically my 50 round drill. And I would, I would keep track of that and I would shoot it each night. Uh, okay. And you could definitely see your scores go up, you know, over the course of a week. Well, but no, that's good. I like the, the, that's the engineering you coming out, getting all organized and tracking everything. So that's, that's good. Which, I don't do that. <laughs> I just shoot, <laughs> but that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what's your, um, so you, 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 you're prepped for the match. You go, do you have any, do you have any pre-match routines or any like anything out of the norm? Or is it at this point, you know, exactly what gear you need. Do you, I, I don't know. Is there anything out of the norm that you might do that you don't see other guys doing? Um, so my match bag is pretty much squared away. I have all the gear in there that, you know, I need for a match. Um, my routine basically consists of, you know, if it's Monday and I got a match Friday, mm-hmm. one, I'm going to go over my rifle and check all the, uh, the screws on it. Check my scope screws, my, you know, action uh, screws. Everybody needs to listen to this. What he just said, <laughs> please, please, please do. I, every single match, good, good shooters are like, man, I couldn't figure out what was happening. And my action screws came loose. I couldn't figure out what was happening. And one of my, one of my rings were loose. It's like, just the, the I, you can't say that thing that enough. So anyway, keep going, Being but fair. just please tighten your screws. <laughs> So. Yeah, so I'll go over and check everything because there's no point in, you know, confirming zero and mm-hmm. getting data if, if something's loose. Yep. So I'll check all that. I'll confirm zero, get my muzzle velocity, uh, maybe play around on some barricades. I don't really like shooting my match gun off of barricades. Yep. Uh, I like to save my barrels for the match. Same. Uh, I think that's with, you know, six Creed, you're not getting that many rounds out of it anyway. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to burn up a barrel, it's going to be a two, two, three or something else. Yep. Uh, firm zero confirm data. And I like to confirm zero a couple different times during the week. Yep. Uh, I don't know. It's just, sometimes you'll see something one day and it's back to zero the next day or 
you know, you'll adjust a 10th or two low to come back into center and then you'll come out the next day and it'll be, you know, the opposite. So I just like to get a good average mm-hmm. and let's, let me, I don't know. Let me stop you on that for a second. I just, yesterday I had a buddy, he's getting into the sport. He flew down to Kansas for the punisher position. He called me yesterday. I was at work. He's like, Hey, I had a good zero at home, which is up in the Northwest. He flew, you know, now he's in the Midwest. It's a hundred degrees. It's humid. He's like, I'm two tenths low. And he's like, what do you do? I was like, well, I went over a big list and we decided what we do. But what do you do when you've checked your zero all week and you go to a match and you say you're, say you are two tenths off, say you travel over to Colorado or, or Texas, what do, what do you do? So generally I never move it. Uh, if I'm like half a mil off, yeah, I I would say something shifted, but I would say one to two tenths is it's okay. You know, don't stress out about it. Don't, don't go adjusting your zero. I would never adjust my zero based on one to two tenths. I would just make a mental note of it and I would see what happened, you know, get those first couple stages out of the way. And if you're consistent, like if you were two tenths left, if mm-hmm. you're consistently hitting left and you know there's not any wind or yeah. if you're two ten high and you're consistently hitting high, okay, well then maybe I'll split the difference and I'll come down a tenth. Mm-hmm. I never I never trust it completely. Yep. So okay. just make a note and roll with it and yep. see what happens. Okay, perfect. Okay, keep going. So you got your zero checked, checked it two or three times. Now we're midweek. Yep. I don't know. I mean that's <sighs> you should be pretty well squared away at that point. I mean, I like to have a hard copy of like my, my data so that I don't fully rely on the Kestrel. Um, so every time I go up to shoot and confirm data, I'll write down the DA in uh, in all my elevations. And then I can kind of compare that to what I'm seeing at the match. Yep. Okay. So when you, when you travel, uh, let's use the caller, the Telluride <clears throat> match, for example, cause it was such an extreme, you know, different mm-hmm. elevation than we normally shoot most of these matches at. Are you printing out something in ahead of time? Are you pulling up kind of a local DA for that area and printing something yeah, out or get an idea of what the DA is going to a place like that? Yeah. Um, I think I just relied on my Kestrel for that match. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was pretty far out of the norm. <laughs> So. until like two or three years ago i was just straight you know data sheets basically okay. i would take i would keep these data sheets printed to the side of my gun and uh, with velcro and you know if the da went up a thousand or whatever i'd pull that sheet off and slap another sheet on but Dude, that's cool i don't know i i need to do that more i I've been, I've been thinking about that more just in case because I just have one Kestrel. I was like, yeah, I either need to buy another Kestrel and and have it in the pack because one of these days something's gonna go wrong. And I still have my phone, and so that's kind of my fallback. But did I need to? Well, get, you, I used to always these, do hard copies. You see so many of these guys that shoot two or three stages, and they're like, man, I just dropped all these points, mm-hmm. and then I finally figured it out, and my Kestrel was on the wrong profile every you know, every week. <laughs> Twenty three profile on there instead of my match gun. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, so it's, one rule it, yeah. um, is if you go to a match with, and you rely on your Kestrel, just turn off all of the other rifles so you've only got one to worry about. Yep, 100%. I usually have them all off. This happened to me two weeks ago. I had them all off, and we had just shot a twenty two for fun. Friday, we were screwing around Friday night, so we were shooting a twenty two, And 
And I had before I had turned on my 22 profile, and luckily it was the 22 profile and not like a 6.5 PRC that was close. Because when I pulled up my you know my 600 yard dope, I needed 30 mils or whatever, and I was like, well, that's not right. <laughs> so it was it was so <laughs> obvious. But if it would have been the PRC or somewhere you're like, and you didn't think about it, so yeah, that's a that's a I try to always do that, and I mess that up. It was easy to catch this time, but always turn off all your stuff besides your match gun. So that's a good tip. So, um, so now you're at the match. Are you doing, are you looking over matchbooks Friday night? Are you spending any time thinking about that stuff? Or are you just trying to get a, get a good meal, relax and have a good night's sleep or what's your plan Friday night? So it's definitely a good idea to get a good night's sleep. Um, yeah, I do. I do like to read the matchbook over. Okay. I don't like, study it or get any uh, data written down or anything like that. Okay. I never, I like to do the data right on the stage as opposed to, you know, getting it ready ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just get a general sense of what the match is going to be. Is it a lot of positional? Is there anything crazy that I should start thinking about now? Yeah. But for the most part, it's just, you know, once over it and get a good night's sleep and kind of roll with it in the morning. Okay. Okay. So now you're there rolling through the day. Um, I've heard you talk about kind of mental rehearsal before. Are you, is there any techniques or things that work for you? Are you trying to kind of walk through those stages, you know, one or two times before you shoot? Um, is that, is that, you try to do that every single stage real carefully? Do you have kind of a pre-stage routine you do? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, I think I've been doing this for so long that it's kind of just second nature at this point. You know, I can, I can look at a stage and be like, yep, that stage is no problem. Mm-hmm. Or, Ooh, this stage is going to be a problem because I need my bipod, but I also need, you know, to shoot off barricades and I hate shooting off barricades with my bipod or yep. I don't know. There's just things that jump out at you, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, it's always good to, you know, if you're not first get, watch other shooters and see, you know, what they're doing, how their guns set up, are they too high? Do they need a bigger bag? Yep. Um, and whenever I'm spotting, you know, that's, that's another super important thing. Have a set of glass there that you can watch and, you know, just see, you know, even where the hits are on target, if they're all on the right side, well, you can be pretty sure there's a left to right wind. Yep. Um, yep. and I do rehearse the stage, you know, I'll just, sometimes I'll just shut my eyes and, you know, just walk myself through it. So basically whenever you get up there to shoot it, you've already shot it twice in your head. Yep. Uh, it, it just helps eliminate any mistakes. And my biggest thing in a match is I'm fine with missing in the wind. I am not fine with making a mental mistake, Dude. dialing, <laughs> shooting target. If I get through a match and make zero mental mistakes, you know, that's a win for me. Yep. Yeah. That's, that is my biggest uh, it, it just eats at me if I if yeah exactly what you said if I lo- wind is wind you're gonna get you're gonna get beat up by wind um and you're gonna you're gonna drop some shots but dude I cannot stand make not dialing or something it just drives me nuts so mm. and you see it all the time I mean that's you could I think most guys at matches that's got to be one of the mental mistakes got to be way up there on the problems. There's a skill set for sure. But I mean, every stage you see guys forgetting to load their mags, forgetting to dial their dope, writing down dope from stage 10, but you're on stage 11. I mean, there's, there's an endless list of, of things that we've all done and we see a lot of people do a lot. So if you guys can eliminate mental mistakes, you're going to gain a lot of points 
instantly. So that's huge. Um, so let's. Uh, so now match is over. You rehearsed everything and you shot good and blah 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 and whatever. So now you got. I want to go through. These are things that I'm interested in. That a lot of guys ask about is is reloading your processes. I know you've got some some top secret stuff. If you want to leave anything out or whatever, but what's kind of what's your general? Um, you've got a you've got a pretty baller reloading room that I that is pretty nice. You got a good line of rock chuckers set up. Uh, walk us through. Um, you got your big, your big bag of brass after the match. What do you do when you get home with your gear? Um, so I'm real particular on staying organized, you know, shooting a bunch of different calibers. I've got, I've got these bins from Walmart that I throw all my brass in and I'll mark them once fired, twice fired. Um, but I guess my reloading process is I like to, to corn cob tumble everything first. Uh, I mean, shoot, I could talk an hour about this. Well, but let's hit it for a while because this is this is what everybody deals with. I'm interested and in, I get a lot of questions about this. So, so take as much time as you want. <laughs> I've had some bad experiences with uh, stainless steel tumbling. Okay. Uh, I've had pins get stuck in there. And I feel like it gets the brass too clean to where uh, the lube that you use for sizing comes into play. You'll get inconsistent sizing. Uh, it cleans the insides of the necks too well to where you might get inconsistent seating. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's some people that might fight me on this, but this is just what I've found. So corn cob tumbling, everything just seems to, you know, seat at the same pressure every time. Mm-hmm. Um, one issue I did find with corn cob tumbling is, um, the, it leaves a little bit of a dusty residue. Yep after you bring them out. So I've actually started wiping, you know, I'll just dump everything out into a, like a beach towel mm-hmm. and rub them around okay. to get all that fine sealed off because that can build up yep. and start gumming things up. So corn cob tumble, then if they need a kneeled, I'll go ahead and punch the primers out and then throw them in the annealer. I used to use a, a bench source annealer with the propane tanks, yep. propane bottles. And I recently got the, the amp annealer, which is super nice because now I don't have to worry about, you know, the fumes in the, in the basement. Yep. So do you have the, do you have the, the case feeder for that? I just ordered the new revised one that I hope works, but I don't, fingers no, crossed. I looked at it and I was just like, Oh, that looks like I know. a lot. I know I think the first gen was a nightmare from everybody I talked to. And I talked to a couple guys that got, the new parts for their first gen and they said it was working good. So I bought the, the complete second gen. So I'll let you guys know soon enough. I'm a little nervous, but if it can do it automatically, I'm going to be thrilled because I, I use the same annealer and it's, it's fast, but it's still, I'm still handling every piece. So I'll keep you posted if that thing works or not, but yeah, there's something to be said about just setting it and walking away. Oh man. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, for and then i'm so sorry i'm sorry are you annealing every single firing then i am not i'm doing like every two to three firings okay perfect i don't know if that's you know right or wrong but i I don't think it makes any difference honestly yeah i think that's in the ballpark where a lot of guys are at some guys do every i've tried every but it's a lot of work for differences you can't like that i can't tell don't have time to add another step every single time yep and this might be slightly off topic, but last year 
I never sized a piece of brass. I just <laughs> out of the box every single round. Cause I didn't have time, you know, I was so yeah. busy with the kids and, I, and it shot really, really well. I shot the six Creed all last year and just loaded brand new, you know, brass right out of the box and Dude. it would just one hole. That's awesome. Um, so now you got a giant batch of Creed brass. That's what I'm going <laughs> to, that's why I want to BR honestly is cause I want to open up those little blue boxes and load and go to a match. And that's one of the big, big reasons I'm, I'm want to, anyway, that's super appealing to me. So, <laughs> um, and I don't know, sizing, I use the Redding type S competition dies. So I use the little, you know, yep. I forget what it is, the, some bushing it's gold colored. I forget what the coating is and all. Yeah. The Redding tine tine nitride or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. uh, I'll size everything. And then after they're sized, I'll go ahead and throw them back in the corn cob yep. and remove all that lube. What do you use for lube? You use one shot. I do. I use one shot. A lot of guys don't like it, but I love it. I had a problem with it. I'll just throw like, I don't know, maybe a hundred pieces of brass in a, in a little Tupperware bin mm-hmm. and I'll just hose them down, shake them around, hose them down again. Yep. And that seems to work good for me. I used to line them all up in a row and roll them on this little pad and <laughs> that just took much time. Yep. I do the one shot. It works really well. I've been, I talked to Joe, Joe Walls talked to me. I've sized on everything. I've done Dylan, which works good, but it's not quite as consistent on run out as a rock chucker. Um, I sized on the Forester which is good, but I like, I got that case eject system. I think you have that too, um, from inline fab and you mm-hmm. can, you can put out, you can size a lot of cases fast with that, with that rock chucker and that little spring arm that pops the case out. So all you're doing is grabbing, you know, sticking a new piece in and you can really crank through it. And I haven't touched my die on that rock chucker in like, I don't know, six barrels probably. I don't, since I set it up, it just never changes. I bet that guy's dirty. Yeah. Well, I've taken this, I've taken the stem out and I clean the dye without taking it out of the press. I just put Q-tips with alcohol and clean it all out, but, but it does so get I, dirty. I was on a rocker with that same inline system. Yep. And yeah. You can just fly on that, but I do all my, my bullet seating on a Forester. Okay. Um, I have that set up next to the, the Prometheus and, uh, it's just Promethei. Yeah. I might, I might correct you. Dave, <laughs> Mr. Preston doesn't just run one Prometheus. <laughs> I'm jealous. Well, I got one, you know, for my house and then my range is at my parents' house. So I was going to have, you know, yep. one at my house for loading for matches and then one at the, at the range for loading, uh, like test ammo and stuff like that. But for sure that didn't work out. And, uh, I just put them both in the same spot, but you can really load ammo for a match fast. Dude, it's awesome. Well, yeah, like you, an and you bought those before the FX 120s were. I was so right when I was getting into it, the FX 120 auto trickler system wasn't out, and so I had called to order Prometheus. I got a price and a timeline. I was just about getting ready to do it, and then these 120s hit the market, and I'm like, uh, oh, I got to give that a shot because it's it's those are. Those things, I'm still want Prometheus, but it's they're a, they're a little hit on the wallet. They're but they are yeah. sweet. I was at or I was at Orgains this uh, a couple months ago, and he was loading some ammo. I was like, man, that's that is. I haven't I never had seen one run in person. I was like, man, that's fast. So yeah, they're impressive. 
Okay, so you go, so tumble, size, um, you're bumping, what are you bumping shoulders? A couple thou? Basically one to two thou, okay. and I'll always, I'll just kind of uh, test as I go and make sure, you know, you don't want to feel that crush down, but you don't want it super loose either. So there's kind of a fine line where you bump it until it's just got this very slight resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I don't know. Yep. No, that's, that's perfect. One, one and a half thou, I guess. And then at that point I'll tumble again. And if it needs trimmed at all, uh, I've got a Gerard trimmer. I'll throw it in there, which does the chamfer for me. Yep. I think I'm pretty much ready to go at that point okay. for, you know, dropping powder and seeding a bullet. What are you priming on? So I used to prime with the little handheld RCBS, which, I mean, it, it did fine. Yeah. And then I got the Primal Rights uh, bench-mounted, I don't know, it's got, a, yep. it's got a lever on it. I don't know. If, I it, think Primal makes it. That's, it is. It's a Primal Rights bench but primer. Thing, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> really nice i was i i was uh just full disclosure when that came out i was making i was like dude i've my buddy sent me the link i'm not spending that much on a primer and then down the road i ended up getting one and i was like dude that is that is if it broke i would buy another one in a second yeah (laughs) they're 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 so they're fast you don't get any not to be a pansy you don't get any hand fatigue anything you just can fly through the cases really how are you are you loading the primers into it are you using that little stick and then pushing down on top of the primers yeah just so yeah just the dylan tube i've got an old school so like the new dylan tubes have the little plastic primer things on the end the little yellow plastic ones i've got these couple old like i don't know 1980s tubes from dylan when they had the metal ends they're clear plastic tube and then the pickup parts uh metal and it is the smoothest, fastest. I wish I could buy 10 of those instead of the new plastic ones. The plastic ones suck compared to that. So I use this old school, uh, old school Dylan one that is really like just fast and easy. So yeah, just a hundred count tube. I'm just shaking them, just shaking them in a um, Dylan plate. I bought that, I bought that new, gosh, what's the, it's a, it's the people that make, oh, double alpha. The people that make the Mr. Bullet Feeder. Um, uh-huh. for Dylan, they make, they just came out with a priming, um, a primer tube filler. And I bought that kind of had some finicky at first, but that thing's been running like a top. So I've been using that for all my Dylan stuff. I don't know why I haven't been using that on my primer, primal rights thing, but a pro tip. I have a, a Dylan, I think it's called an RF 300. Maybe. Yeah. That's the, that's and sweet. dude, you just dump the, dump the stuff in there, hit the button and walk away and your tube's full when you come back. That's pretty sweet. Is it? Do you so, ever have issues with that flipping primers wrong side, or is it pretty much a hundred percent? I think it depends on how level the unit sits. Okay. Because I had it sitting over next to my ten fifty for loading two twenty three ammo, yep. and it was just spot on every time. Okay. And I just recently moved it in my gun room to another table, and out of like a hundred, I'll have two or three that are flipped over. Okay. Which. I mean, when when you're using that bench mount primal rights, you can just easily look down and see whether the primer's in the right orientation before you prime it. So yeah, you I'll see, just, you see if it. it's yep. if I see the the metal cup, I'll just raise it up, flip it, and yep, keep moving. Okay, I might. Yeah, I need to. I need to look into that. So you're just using the regular Dylan tubes with the with the with that feeder uh, filler. Yeah. Okay, Dylan tube, 
the primal rights tube and then I pull the little uh, pin and it drops all the primers down in. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we got a lot of similarities on how we do stuff, but I kind of follow from you guys, like you and Joe kind of, you guys have been doing this long enough. I've gone through all kinds of different presses and all the Reddings and RCBSs and Dylans and, and, you know, kind of settled on full circle back to the rock trucker that I started with. I actually gave my rock trucker away to a, a guy that was getting into it. And then like six months later, Joe was just like, dude, just go buy a rock trucker and set your one dasher die. I got that new, uh, that bullet central custom dasher die really like mm-hmm. it. Put that thing in there and haven't touched it forever. So it's, it's been the most consistent zero run out, um, accurate press I've, you know, that I've sized on. So now I'm full circle back to the old rock trucker, but yeah, single stage is the way to go. And in, in my opinion, I never really bought into the, yep. the progressive loading on progressive. I know a lot of guys do it and a lot of guys do really well, but I just don't see how it can be better than single stage. I don't know if it can be. I, 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 in the back of my head, I still want to like, you know, take the time to work a seven fifty Dylan six fifty or seven fifty, the new model. And, you know, machine spacers and get that, the, the tool head just locked perfect. And, but you still have, there's some flex and I just, I don't know. It works great. I've won matches prepping brass a couple of years ago. It's all I was doing. Cause I was just, I had no time. I was prepping all my dasher brass on a Dylan. It was awesome. I still want to do it again. I just, I know the rock trucker is perfect and I, I don't know. It's hard to switch when you get something that works so good. So, um, Okay. So let me ask you, yeah. uh, your case prep with brand new out of the box brass, are you doing anything to it or are you just loading it? Well, so I'm shooting Dasher, right? And I've been doing that for so long now that obviously I'm doing stuff cause I'm, for, I'm fire forming BR, um, yeah. you know, and so with the, with the B, so yeah, all it with the Dasher, obviously, yes, I, I fire form it and I do anneal it. I do the same. I use a big, I got those, a couple of big Dylan tumblers. I use that lime and green corn cob media. It's, it works really, really well. And then for me on the dust side, I do, I throw a bunch of dryer sheets in there for the first like 10 cycles and that really grabs that dust. I just throw them away through new ones in every time I run it. And, and that sucks a lot of the dust out. Um, gotcha. um, yeah, I still agree. There's always a little bit of residue, but so I do that, um, after I fire them and I do anneal the first time. Um, that being said, sw- switching to this BR, I'm going to try not to do anything because that's kind of why if I've got to do a bunch of brass prep, then I'll just stick with it. You know, I'll just keep running dasher, but I'm going to, all I'm going to do with this BR is I'm going to open it, see the primer and I'm going to start loading. So I'm, I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm not going to try to chamfer or do anything on this first firing. So we'll, so me, we'll see. I found out with my BR. So I yep. did the straight out of the box with, with this BR brand new Lapua brass mm-hmm. and it shot bug holes at a hundred. Mm-hmm. And I took it to, uh, I took it up to Rockland where they've got a thousand yards and put a couple shots on their Ipsic. And I had like 15 inches of vertical. Whoa. I was like, Whoa, where is this coming from? Went back to a hundred. It just bug holed. Okay. So I threw the Toronto on it and my SDs were like 10 to 12, which oh, I didn't weird. even possible with a BR. No. And then, so I came back home and I decided to run a mandrel through it. So I just, I forget what size it was, a 240 yeah. or something. Yeah. So I threw the mandrel through it and then gave it a light chamfer and seated the bullets, took it back out and shot it. And my SDs were like five to six. Cut them which in half. Still, 
half. And then I did another test. I took that fire brass and just sized it in my redding uh, with the bushing and took it back out. And then my SDs were two to three. Okay. Which so, I did not see that on my first BR barrel, but on this one, I don't know if it's a different lot of brass or. Huh. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to start with out of the box, but I'll, I'll chrono it right away. That's good information. So I, I have noticed something weird with this. I've got a big batch of uh, BR brass. I've been fire forming and I don't know if it's different annealing or different, different, a little bit different metallurgy or something, but almost always when I fire form Dasher, I will lose, I'll split a shoulder on one or two per hundred. So my, I kind of a 1% loss is what I figure sure. if I fire, sure. if I fire forming, what was that? Your fire forming method. Are you just jamming them? Yeah. I just, I've tried false shoulder, but I didn't, I couldn't tell a difference. So I'm just jamming yeah. whatever bullets I have, 30 thou, 40 thou, whatever, doesn't matter. And I run 30 grains of argot. But on this batch, I'm just finishing up 1200 pieces formed and I haven't split a single case. And so I was like, and I wow. do, I was like, that's the weirdest thing. Cause I've fired for him tons of different brass and always lose 1% always. And so I've got me wondering, is this, is this, is this a harder brass or something? It's just a little different. I'm it's cool. So I'm wondering how it'll shoot in straight BR and the neck tension is tight. When I seat those bullets in there, it's a, it is a firm neck tension. So I'll start out of the box, but you're, I've, I do have a mandrel here just in case. Um, that's a good tip. Cause I don't, I haven't shot virgin brass out of a box in so long, so this will be a, this will be kind of fun. So it'll be a good test. Yeah, um, with the six creek, I had to do that. So I don't know. Just keep it, keep it in mind. Was the neck tension similar? You think on the six creek to the six br? I think so. I don't. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. I mean, have so much neck tension before the the metal just gives. I think you know you can't have twenty thou of neck tension. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's only a certain point where. Yeah. You fold your necks in. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then you're, let's see, you're pretty much, uh, I think, what do we cover? I think we covered a lot of that. What are you running in your Creed? Are you running 4350? I've tried both Varget and 4350. Oh, really? Um, so a lot of the guys have told me that if you go with Varget, uh, you get the, you might get a little bit slower speed, but your the recoil pulse is different. Oh, okay. So apparently it's slower, easier recoil pulse. Okay. I tried Varget, uh, and I remember trying Varget the last time I tried Six Creed, but for some reason I always go back to forty three fifty. Yeah, it's a good. That's when I started. I was shooting. A, I shot a six SLR, which is it's like a a modified 243 and I ran 4350. I loved it. I felt like there was a little more carbon than Varget. It might be a little dirtier or something, but you're also running mm-hmm. at a faster speed. So maybe it's more, you know, maybe it's pressure, hotter temps. I don't know. That's the only thing, but it was always super consistent. So, um, kind of what are your nodes? Are you running 26 inch barrels on your creeds? 26. And you yeah. what kind of ballpark in you're, you're running those one tens. Are you kind of 30, 50 ish or where do you, where do you tend to find your sweet spot? I mean, you can run them. So I, I, uh, whenever I was shooting for Alamo, they had a longer, uh, free bore. I, I don't have my own six Creed reamer. Okay. So I just kind of, what the, the gunsmith has. Yep. And I think it was like the one fifty to one sixty range free bore. Okay. So I, 
the the bullets were really long and 3000 ish feet per second was it just hammered and i was good with that you know that's yeah. not a hot load by but that's exactly what i wanted that's perfect um with this new barrel i had a shorter free bore i think it was around 130 and man it is just screaming fast like taking powder out left and right and it's still just fast really i think i shot i shot the k&m match at 3110 with a with a but that's where it like that's where it wanted to be i tried to slow it down and the groups just opened up and okay uh, but i you know i definitely noticed the difference in recoil from 3000 to 3100 i mean it, it started to get to me a little bit especially at a place like uh, K&M that's it's super positional heavy and not 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 your like kind of more of a square range versus a field match so mm-hmm. i mean not that a not that a 6 creedmoor has a ton of recoil no. there's guys out there with weights that were just cleaning up but yeah it just wasn't what i was used to yeah um, yeah so it is impressive i remember god last time i ran a creed um it's when uh, lapua came out with six five creed they didn't have the six creed out yet so i was like dude this could be perfect lapua brass and so i, I bought all the six five and i necked it down to six and i started running running creed and for whatever reason it, it hammered at 3140 with a 105 and i was like mm-hmm. that's too fast but i can't not shoot it and i took it to some matches and just burned the house down until i got to an unlimited stage and then I burned my barrel <laughs> down and it was, I was 22 rounds in 90 seconds or 21 rounds. It was, I had a, I think I had a, I had a 14 round AI mag full. And then I ran through a big chunk of my AW mag and the barrel was, it, it, it was only 600 rounds deep and it was, that was it. I was like, well, <laughs> it was, it worked. It, I was at one of the later stages of the match and I, was able to get the wind out in South Dakota, but it's a hundred degrees outside and we just shot, you know, your barrel's hot before you even shoot your gun. Cause it's setting outside. And that's the, that was the only downside, but man, when that thing was running at that speed, it was a hammer. You can definitely tell the difference at those longer ranges. Um, I, I think, I mean, that's the whole balance. I mean, obviously for a lot of years we've been running slow. Jake runs really slow. And, you know, a lot of guys, BRAs, a lot of the Oklahoma boys are running those BRAs slow. And so it definitely works. But there's an argument for those long range stages. Like you said, it's it's hard to deny uh, speed in BC out there. So that's the, well, I think the balance running slow. They're just looking for consistency match after match after match. Yep. You can get a you can get a creed just running amazing. But it's probably only going to be that way for one, maybe two matches and you're done. Yeah. Would, okay. Let's, do you want to talk about how, how long do you run your Creed barrels round count? Or would you rather not? I don't know. <laughs> it's, not, it's not very long. Not very long. I almost yep. had, but it's, that's just the trade off. If you're going to run something that hot yep. and you want to be prepared and never have anything go wrong, you got to pull them early. Yep. That's the thing. Is guys are guys tell me, look, I got 2,500 rounds out of my creed. I was like, yes, they will shoot for 10,000 rounds. It's just whatever your level of consistency requirement is. It's just when you're traveling to a match, you can't have variables and variables come in early with a creed than they do a dash or a BR. It's just part of, like you said, trade off. So, so in, in 2015, um, when I won that championship, I was shooting a six by 47 Okay, and, I went through a lot of barrels that year and 
some of the barrels, you know, guys would want them after I was done with them because they would still shoot really good and have a lot of life left in them. But yeah. I would only push the forty seven to like nine hundred and fifty rounds and it was done. Okay. Yeah. So with my little thing that I do to break a barrel in, I would shoot two matches and that barrel was off and a new one was on. Wow. And you're going to your first match with roughly 150, 200 rounds on it or what? I at least have. So I like to put 180 on it. Okay. Then I'll clean it and then I'll put another 40 on it. And at that point, I'll, you know, kind of have an idea what the load is because I'll be playing with different stuff yeah. as the barrel changing. But um, 250 to 300 rounds is usually what I put on a. Wow. On a, but that's, that's with all of like the load development and confirming data so yep. you know yep. taking a new barrel it's probably going to have 300 on it by the time i get to a match yeah okay okay what's your uh quickly hit on your cleaning routine what do you do how do you you clean after every match what's your process so on i and so clean forth. every like uh it it almost turns out to be every match but it's it's roughly every 400 rounds okay okay and then just any What's your favorite solvent? Do you use nylon brushes or, or brass brushes? What's some of those things? Um, so I used to do carbon, and then I'd take out the copper. Yep. Recently, I've just been taking carbon out, and that's it. And I use, I think, Butch's Borshine. Okay. Um, just push a few of that through until it comes out clean, and uh, I'll make sure to clean my muzzle brake. Recently, my uh, muzzle brakes have been getting tons of carbon buildup. I don't, okay. I don't really remember that being an issue a long time ago, but it just seems like the carbon just wants to stick in there. So yeah, tip it out, throw it in a little solvent, and get the rest of it out. Is that are you ultrasonic in your brakes at all, or just just soaking them? No. Basically, don't laugh at me, but I basically take a pocket knife and chip the stuff out. Yeah, <laughs> boy, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. You go, you're all detailed, and you keep records of everything, and then you're just kind of scraping with a screwdriver on your brake. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So <laughs> I just, FYI, I just did a, I did a, a, gosh, I threw a bunch in a in an ultrasonic, and I was, I was shocked by how well it works. So. Um, I'm, I'm going to work on that because I've been noticing that too. Um, it's crazy how fast it builds up. I used to pull it. Usually I put a brake on, a clean brake on for the whole barrel. I don't look at till the end. But, man, I looked at one. It was like, you know, almost a 1,000 rounds deep. And I was surprised. It was a lot of, there was a lot of carbon on there. So I don't, mm-hmm. know, if it, I don't know if it matters, but keep an eye on that, guys. Um, and earlier I wanted to go back on. Yeah. You said I had 14-round AI mags. Yeah. I don't know. So I just went back to the BR and I used to run AI mags with no spacer, yep. no not straight AI mag. And it ran the BR fine for me. Yep. A lot of guys couldn't, couldn't do that, but I just got these, uh, it's the freedom Gunworks base pad. Okay. And I think maybe Patriot Valley makes the, the spacer kit, but it comes with its own special spring okay. that puts a lot of front pressure on that round. Cause you see a lot of guys that have like nose diving problems with those, okay. with that round with Dasher and BR. But I put those kits in there. It took a, I did have to modify them a little bit to get them to fit all the way up in the mag, but Holy smokes, 
they are like silky smooth and they're just flawless. Really? Okay, so, so Freedom Gunworks base pad, and then what's the what was the other one? It's a uh, Patriot Valley makes a like a follower kit. Okay, it comes with the actual follower. It comes with the little spacer that goes in the back of the mag, and then it's got this uh, it's got this flat spring that's it's shaped a little bit funny, but that's okay. to give it front pressure on that follower. Okay, that's cool. I've got the so I've got this perfect AI mag. I've got an old the old MPA extension. No spacers, no nothing. I can load 14 BR for fire forming, my dasher, everything. It's it's ran from Creed to XC to 47 to SLR. It's ran everything perfect. But I'm scared that if I ever if I ever lose that or I need a replacement, I don't know what to do because everybody, all my buddies have the same setup because they run mine and then they buy one. Like it doesn't feed like yours does. I was like. Yeah. I'm scared to, so I'll check that out. I'd like to get a backup mag to that one because um, I just I, have that one I, left. Just like that, that I've used since, God, I don't, I've had it forever and it just runs great in every gun. Yeah. Well, a, a training I was just at, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, there was this guy and his mag wasn't working and he needed an AI mag. So I reluctantly gave him my AI mag that, oh. and he's, sitting there on stages you know fighting it and binding it up and i'm just like no uh, don't that, hurt my mag my precious mag i was <laughs> i mean he, he was so thankful that he had a mag to keep going but uh, just like and that's hard people don't realize how you can't have any feeding issues at matches i mean not with yeah. 90 seconds you can't and so you we do you know and you get those mags i've bought the other day, I've ordered two or three AW mags with HRD kits for Dasher. And all the same, all from the factory, throw one in the gun, feeds like a top, everything's perfect, throw the next one in, and it, like, the, every, mm. like the sixth round would always, would always hang up. And it was a, they're all exactly the same, but not all mags are created equal. The, the feed lips are maybe not exactly the same from the factory or something, but there are differences. And so when you get those cherry mags, like, dude, I protect them. They're always in my mag carrier. So the feed lips are protected. And I, like when I fly, I either put them, put, make sure they're in a mag carrier and I put them inside my boot. Like I'm just so paranoid of the mag getting bent. So yeah, that was very nice of you to share your mag. (laughs) I'll check those. uh, I'll check that stuff out. So let's hit a couple more things. We're cruising along here, but look what you mentioned training. What's, um, How's that been going? Jake and I are doing a little bit over here, and I know you and Ken and have been doing some classes over there. If you guys, some of you guys on the East Coast, want to hit 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 uh, Dave or, or Ken up or whatever, but what's uh, how's that been going for you guys? It's been really good. We do uh, we do an intro to PRS class. We do so. There's with all the new ranges and the club matches going on over here. We like to piggyback our training the day before a club match. Perfect. So guys that are traveling. You know, they can come in on a Friday and get a full day of training and then they can shoot the club match at the same spot on on the very next day. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just a good setup. Yep. And me, uh, Ken Sinoski are both trainers, so we can handle, I don't know, 10 to 15 guys. We, we usually like to keep the class small. Yeah. If we get you know, 15 guys, we'll bring in two additional people to you know work the spotting scope so that we can be with the shooter the entire time yep but yeah it's it's done really well guys love it and if you want to check it it out i think masterpiece arms has uh 
all of our stuff, all the dates for our trainings on their website. Right on. Cool. So that's, it's been fun to do, do that training. And Jake's done that a lot and I'm, I'm kind of learning. So it's been, been, you know, newer for me on the training side, but it's been a good time. It's fun to see the light come on with some of these guys, but what are, are there things that, um, have you seen trends or consistent issues you see with newer shooters that you you find yourself spending the most time on that stick out to you? Uh, so most of the classes we've done so far, we have some advanced stuff coming up, but the most of it's all been like intro. So the, you know, the shooters are pretty green and okay. they've maybe only got one match or two matches or some of them haven't shot any, but the biggest thing that I see them do mm-hmm. is we run simulated stages. So, you know, we'll get the shot timer out. We'll go through the stage and I'll start them on the clock, hit the timer. And what's the first thing they do? They run up to the barricade and then they, they reach up and they put their data on their scope and then they flip their scope caps (laughs) up. It's just like, man, you need pre-stage checklists. You need to do all this stuff ahead of time. So every time I stage, you know, I've been doing this for so long that that you, you take that think, stuff for granted. You don't even think about it anymore. You're like, obviously I'm going to have my dope dialed and everything checked. <laughs> right. I still make a point. Uh, whenever the RO asks me, are shooter? Are you ready? I, I look at my, make sure my first dope is dialed. And if it's a multiple, uh, target stage where I'm changing data, I'll make sure my turrets unlocked yep. and then I'll check my parallax and I'll make sure my, my zoom is where it needs to be. And then I'll always glance down my, my magazine to make sure it, you know, there's not two rounds loaded in it, make sure it's full Yep. and, you know, pretty much good to go from there. But just doing that little checklist will save you a pile of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's good stuff. What, what do you, one thing I've seen a lot is, is, is target acquisition. Um, this came up in a chat just here recently. Guys are asking what power you run matches on. And I think you, you run, you might be the only guy that I've talked to uh, that you run a pretty high power, right? You, you run the vortex four and a half to 27. And I've heard, I think I've asked you in the past and you say you run pretty high, pretty often. Is that still the case? Yeah. So I've recently come down a little bit. I don't know if it's cause my eyes are getting bad, but there was, I swear there was a couple years where I never came off 27 power. <laughs> uh, okay. And then, Recently, I feel like I've been shooting. I never go below 20 power, yep, like ever. But if it's a positional stage where I need to find targets, I'll be on 20 power. Um, if it's a if there's a target with no backstop where I definitely have to pick up trace or yep. something, if I miss, yep. I'll come down to 20 power. Yep. Um, but if there's a backstop, you know, where I'm gonna see, yep. shoot, I'll crank that up to 27 and just roll with it. Yep. But it's it's all how fast you can find the targets. 100%. If you struggle to find, you're not going to want to do that. But So that's wow. been the big thing, and that's when, what I've noticed with working with a lot of guys. There's different issues, but that target acquisition is huge. And so I think a lot of that comes from hunting because I rarely take my scope. I've, I shoot a 5 to 25. I rarely take my scope off of 25, and I, I'll take it down for the exact circumstances you just mentioned, and I'll go down to 20. So we're pretty much exactly the same that way. But – I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I know some really good shooters that run at 12 to 14 to 16. And um, I just think all the years, kind of like what you said of just hunting groundhogs, like I can point a scope at anything. I don't care if it's 50 yards on 25 power. I'm going to be pointing at it. 
And I don't know right. if it's shotguns or hunting or whatever, but just just that pointability. But I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but I don't run into very many people that run high power like like you do. So, And I've always done that. And I'm like, man, am I doing it wrong? But it's just what I do. And I love... It's like that extra. It's like it blows that target up. If you're shooting at a little tiny target, I love being able to pick a spot. And I, I don't know, but it, bigger at a bigger target than everybody else. That, I know it's like mentally for <laughs> me, but I get that question a lot, and I can't tell guys like, especially at training, they're searching, turn their scope up and down. I was like, listen, just leave it at 16 or leave it at 15, and and don't you know, get frantic. Cause if you see a guy start searching, their heart rate starts going up, they start panicking. So it's a question I get a lot, but it's like an answer I give that I don't, don't do what I say just cause I can do that or just cause it's a strength and, and maybe it's a weakness in some cases, but I was curious, do you, do you find yourself, um, I, I, is there ever a downside to too much power? I mean, I guess the argument would be a smaller field of view, so so you could arguably not see as much trace. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I've been digging the, I like high power. <laughs> trace and spawning your shot are the only downsides, I think. Yeah. And with these low recoil, the spotting your shots isn't like, I guess without backstop, you got to see trace. And so, and that's one thing I got to work on is, 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 is powering down for that and seeing trace a little better. Um, but yeah, no, that's good. I think that target acquisition is something to work on. Do you, is there, do you think there's any drills that you would tell guys to work on that with? What I've done is like, Hey, take your 22 and walk around and just shoot a lot or anything you can do. Just practice. I, uh, uh, took a girl, she drew a, a sheep tag. This is a few years back and she never hunted with a rifle. And so I was like, just take your gun out. You don't even need to shoot, but just walk, walk a logging road, walk a field, and then aim at the top of a tree. Aim at a, aim at a post. Aim at a fence. Aim at a cow. Do just throw the gun up and aim, and do that over and over and over, and build those reps. But are there any drills that you've worked with guys or to help them do that, or anything that you can think of? So I've, I've, I'm pretty confident on my, you know, strong side ability to find targets. Yep. But weak side, <laughs> yeah, we do it in matches, and in that those one or two extra points that you might be able to get on that stage is what's gonna yep. bump you leaderboard. Um, so I'll do some left-handed stuff. I'll basically just pick out an object, and I'll get behind the gun and try and find it as quick as I can. I'll yep. pick out another object and try and find it. But just reps, yeah. Shooting like you just posted that video, you. Uh, shooting that super fast PRS, uh, uh, stage. Oh, challenge. Yeah. Um, so that's a stage where I think pulling your head out of the scope, finding the target with your eye yep. and dropping back into the scope is the right way to do it. Yep. If you try and just pan to the right or pan to the left to find that next target, you're going to be a lot slower. Agreed. So that ability to pick your head up, find it with your eye and instantly drop back into the gun and have it on target. I mean, there's, you're so fast at that. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's a, that's a good point. Like, so there's stages guys. If there's, I, I always need to visual reference. I look at the spot and I bring the gun to my eye. And so I don't 
like stay in the gun and look for the targets through the scope. And maybe some guys do that. I always memorize the spots. And if it's a field match without target markers, use landmarks of trees or shaded spots or dirt spots or a light piece of grass. But you have to have that visual reference to look at with your naked eye and bring the gun to your eye on target. So that is one thing that um, I, I don't pan looking through the scope. Um, snap your eyes to it, bring the gun, bring the gun up to your eye, to the target. So that's, that's a good point, but it's, uh, it's, uh, that's a, I guess that's a, it seems like that's a question where guys will see your target. And I noticed yours early on, maybe one of the early times I met you was on 27. I was like, do you always do that? I was like, I don't see anybody do that. I was all, I don't know. I was still (laughs) geeking out over, over you being my shooting idol. So (laughs) I was, I was happy to see that. So, um, Anyway, let's we're 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 an hour fifteen in. Let's let's start to. I've been, I'm having a good time. I love chatting with you. Like I said, we live across the country, so I don't get to do this a whole lot. So this has been fun. But let's hit on gray ops a little bit more. Um, there's a with that mini plate. I've seen a lot of guys just shoot the other. It wasn't last match or two ago. We were using that on a stage. It works so well. Um, mini plate with a little bag that I think uh, Tom from our Armageddon gear is making for that bag. You want to talk about that a little bit and um, some of the benefits and the uses you see or, or new designs coming out? Yeah. So we have a couple different uh, models of mini plates. Uh, we've got the elite plate, which is I think what you guys are using on your tripods because yep. it has a built arc on the bottom. So if you need a tack table or something for these, you know, out West field style matches, mm-hmm. uh, come super handy. You can shoot off at the top of that. Um, and then there's some dedicated gun mounted plates. So we've got the regular mini plate and we just came out with this mini plate pro, okay. uh, the mini, pl- the regular mini plates been out for like about a year now and hugely successful. Uh, the guys love it. Uh, first time shooters throw it on their gun and they're like, Holy smokes, this thing is, <laughs> uh, I love seeing that expression. I wish I could have like a camera on guys using it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so then we took everything that, you know, some of the top level guys, they, they're just picky about everything. So we took all that picky insight and we, put everything into this mini plate pro. So it's got, uh, I had guys wanting a lighter version, a heavier version. So I went ahead and made both. Uh, the plate I made is super light, but it also, you can add these weights to the bottom so you can make it heavy. Um, it's got a, on the plate itself. Yeah. The, the mini plate pro has, okay. I'm just, I'm just pulling it up. This is, so this is a new product. Okay. I'm looking at pictures right now. Okay. Uh, and we also threw a, a throw lever arca so i've never been a huge fan of the the knob style uh so we went ahead and just made our own uh throw lever and it is silky smooth dude that looks Um, good so and then we've got the we've got a uh tom from armageddon gear has this new bag coming out uh i don't know if i'm allowed to talk about it yet <laughs> too yeah. bad we just did sorry tom pretty <laughs> it, soon so he's got a bag out for the regular mini plate everybody okay. loves it this new bag coming out is it's got a couple new features on it it's got these quick detach uh hooks that mount in the mount in these little slots on the plate okay so that's how it sucks up to the plate and then it's it's I think it's going to come with two different types of fill. So you can have like the bead fill 
or it's going to come with sand. So it'll come with both. And it's got its own little fill station where you can put whatever fill you want in this bag. Oh, cool. Um, super stable. I've usually not been a fan of attaching bags to the plate. Um, but with the new, with the sand fill and the way he's designed this bag to not bunch up in certain spots, mm-hmm. I can shoot the PRS barricade like really fast now. Really? Dude, I'll have to check that out because I've been the same way. I don't particularly like the game changer attached. Um, I do like that thin bag attached when you're using a tripod rear from maybe a real small port or something. So that's been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'll have to check. That's exciting. Do you know, I guess, like you said, maybe we're talking out of line, but is there, do you think timeline? Are we talking like a month to release or six months or any, any, or should we not talk about it? <laughs> Other than that, I've already seen them. Okay, cool. Uh, so we're close. I've already seen them, so we're real close. Okay. How does the uh, how does the mini plate pro uh, uh, size compare to the the original mini plate that I've been running? Uh, so the they are the same size. Okay, cool. length and width size. So but just better clamp and some new features. Because of the way it's shaped, yep. it actually looks a lot, looks and feels smaller, but you're still getting, there's, I mean, there's a certain point where you can't go any wider to get the same stability. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. The width there's of a bag a, is the width of a bag. So point we feel that this mini plate pro is like the minimum dimensions you need to get all the stability. It's perfect. So that's perfect. Yeah. yeah that, okay. I want to check that out. It looks really good. Um, what's so one thing I like the on your big plate, we I have that amp plate. It's kind of the original, like the tack table design, the big one, which I, I for me is too big for. I don't like it. I like the mini for running on barricades, but we use that. We just shot the sniper side cup. We mentioned that in a podcast, and we ran that big plate as a tack table the entire match. Probably ran it on fifteen of the sixteen stages, I think, and wow. just <laughs> throw the bag on it. And we shot off of it like a barricade. Just use the tri made your own barricade with a tripod, and we used it constantly. And then the other thing I like it for is you've got those two on the big plate. It not only clamps onto your gun if you need it to, but it's also got, or into your tripod, it's got the two Arca, like kind of, I don't know what you call them, just the locking wheels where you can clamp in an Arca Arca plate. And so I run my, um, I've got a Leupold Mark IV spotter with a little reticle in there, really lightweight, easy to travel with. I put that on next to it, and then I put my rangefinder next to that. So that plate holds that that whole thing um, keeps it keeps it clean, keeps it straight, keeps it from blowing over, getting, you know, getting hurt, beat up in the wind. So I like that plate for that too. So I'll, I'll end up carrying two plates, and I, I can't wait to see this bag. So that's that's pretty sweet. So okay, cool. Um, I don't know. We could keep going, but it's a, we're coming up on an hour and a half. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this one up? Well, I'm sure we'll do another one in the future, but anything else? I think we've given enough away, uh, given enough secrets out for today. So perfect. All right, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, always good chatting with you, and uh, good luck at your next match. And hopefully, we'll. I don't know. We don't get to shoot together a lot, but once or twice a year, we run into each other. So I'll look forward to the next time. So anyway, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Sounds good, buddy. Yep. But.